we're going to talk about worship right now. And um, we're in this series called Closer. And the whole idea is for us to have a good understanding of what worship is. Worship, we said the other week, was how you respond to what you value the most. If you value something, it's, it's going to show and you're going to respond to it. And when we understand what worship is all about and giving worth to God and, and, and responding to how good he is in our life, there's no better place we could be than in intimate, close relationship with God, getting closer to God. When you're walking in the will of God, I don't care if you're in a valley, people are attacking you, finances are rough, but when you know you're in the will of God because you're walking and believing and living close to him, suddenly you just kind of feel like everything's going to be okay. Like I know the world is out to get me and I know I'm struggling with health or I'm struggling with finances, but I'm next to God and I'm worshiping him, and he's loving me, and everything's going to work out okay. So the whole idea of this series is let's learn to be worshipers. Let's learn to get close as we possibly can to God, because that's the best place that we can be. So the Bible tells us to be good worshipers, and, and it tells us why we worship, because he's a good God. And it tells us who we worship. We understand he gave Jesus to save us from ourselves, from the world around us. And we know all the goodness. So we know who we worship. And we know why we worship, but today we're going to talk about how to worship. In other words, what's the proper way to give value and worth to God, to respond to him? Like, what should it look like? How should we worship? Because there's a lot of different styles of worship. How many of you guys came from church backgrounds where when, when we sing songs and we give worship time to God, it was really different than how we do it at Anchor Church? Anybody? Like real different, right? We got our own kind of particular style and all that. Some of you guys are from Catholic churches or Methodist churches or Presbyterian or Baptist or what, you know, whatever denomination. Um, you're just from a different worship style. I want to talk about that a little bit today because there's a style that God has that's worship in the Bible. And I also want to get in your head that whatever style you came from that's different from Anchor Church there is no real right style to worship God. Can I say that? Like, we need to be careful about criticizing different styles because God gives us a lot of freedom in Scripture to worship Him. So I want to give you, like, a good understanding and realize that some of you guys came from the, the background. Um, how many of you guys are, like, suit and tie church and you just sing out of the hymnal? Like, the book is there for you. Anybody? Like, hymnals? That was your jam? That's good. That's cool. That's fine. It's good. But it's different than the way that we do it here at Anchor Church, right? Some of you guys came from maybe like the only instrument you had was the piano or the pipe organ. Anybody? Like old school style? Like that, that's awesome too, right? Um, anybody like you do the thing where um, like they got the, the ribbons involved? Anybody came from a ribbon? Like I, I've seen that, right? There's nothing wrong. I'm sitting in the services and you, you're thinking your worship is all good. Then all of a sudden down the aisle comes somebody like, <laughs> right? And you're like. What's going on here? And they're doing it and they're worshiping. Or, or flags. Anybody seen the flags in the church before? Like that's old school, but that's a way. Some people still do that. Nothing wrong with the flags. And some people get down. Like when they worship, they're full expression and yeah. And they're just like moving and jumping and dancing. And, and that's cool too. I was in the Solomon Islands recently. And um, we we're in this open air church. They create buildings over there, but they don't put the walls on them a lot of times because it's so hot. Like Solomon Islands is like 12 degrees off the equator. And we went like a, a month ago. And I thought Hawaii was hot like right now. You go over there and it's just like 100% humidity, 100 degrees. Out, and we're just like walking around, just sweating everywhere you go. And so we're in this church service. It's all open air. And so I'm loving it. I'm like, this is awesome. But people are getting loose. And they're like, they're dancing. And they're, some of their worship songs last like over 10 minutes for just one song. And it's in like 100 degree heat, humidity, and they're dancing, and you're going, and I'm just like, oh, I can't keep up, man. I'm like, is this Zumba? Like, what is going? Like, 
I'm getting a workout as I'm worshiping God. This is amazing, right? And then there's one kid that rolls in, and there's literally, as we're worshiping, dogs are cruising by in the front row, and like pigs, and you know, whatever, there's chickens, and, and there's this one little kid that brought his puppy in, and he rolls down front row. He's just going everywhere, holding this little puppy, and he rolls down front row, and he's like singing and going, and then he starts dancing with the puppy, <laughs> and the puppy's just cruising, and he's like, the, the puppy loves the, the, the kid so much, he doesn't care. He's just like, and he's like shaking him, and then he's like, he's lion kinging him a little bit. He's like, you know, and it's, I'm just like, this is awesome. And I videoed it, and I'm like, I gotta show it to you guys the video. I didn't think about it till now, but next week I'll show you the video. But there's just all the, but all of this in the name of worshiping God. And there's so many different styles that we're accustomed to. There's no right style, there's no wrong style. Today I wanna teach you what God's style of worshiping is. You guys interested in that? Because once you know who you worship and why you worship, it's kind of fun to figure out, well, how do we worship? Because we want to, because he's so good. Like, how do we give him what he wants? And so here's what we're going to talk about today is how to worship. And let's talk about God's worship style. Luke 19, we're going to look at the story of Jesus. It says, when he reached the place where the road started down, the Mount of Olives. And can I just like make a little point to say right here, because I've been to Israel now, whenever I read about things like the Mount of Olives, in my mind already, I'm picturing it. We think Mount of Olives, I always thought it was like a big mountain far away from the city. It's literally, it's, it's like a hill. We wouldn't call it a mountain. It's a mount, the top of it. But it's like this, this, this kind of hill that's, that's on the side. And as he's walking down, there's like the Garden of Gethsemane on his left where he prayed. Like he has to cross the Kidron Valley. It's not some huge, crazy, mighty valley. It's like this little place where it would have a little stream running down. It's small. And then you head right up the hill on the other side to the eastern gate of Jerusalem, the old city, the Temple Mount. And you're like, in my head, I'm going, this is so cool. I read about you. I can totally picture him walking right down. It's like a 10-minute walk, and he's right at the city of Jerusalem. It's like, it's that close. But this is what you gain. Like, I said this the other week, too. We're doing this Israel trip in 2021. February 2021, Anchor Church is going to Israel. We're going to Jerusalem. We're planning the trip. We've already got over 100 people interested in it, at least two buses already. Um, I don't know if everybody's going to be able to make it, but would you just think and pray about possibly coming with me, with Pastor Rob, with a bunch of us to Israel because it's going to be awesome. And when you go there, it just changes your perspective. Now when I read the Bible, I can picture it. I'm like right there. It's just, it elevated my faith level. So anyway, that's a side plug. Think about coming with us, Anchor Church, to Israel in February 2021. More information, info booth, whatever, and it's on your app, the Bible app. You can find it right there. But anyway, it says, as Jesus reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives... All of his followers that were hanging out with him began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. We're going to talk about that today, praising and worshiping God. They were saying, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees, remember the Pharisees, were the religious leaders of the, the day. They weren't against God. They were actually started off for God. They were religious leaders that taught the Old Testament laws of, of Moses and what God and the Ten Commandments was all about and that we should worship him and we should have, like, uh, do all of our religious duties for him. The problem with the Pharisees is this. They took all the love and the relationship we're supposed to have for God and they turned it into such man-made laws is that they started to add to the word of God, to the laws of God, and they created all their own laws about how you should live your life. Even though it was based on a good heart to, like, we should worship God like this, 
they made their directions equal with God's law and his commandments. So they went off, and then here's the problem. When Jesus, the very son of God, shows up on the scene, the one that they'd read for hundreds of years and their prophets talking about was going to come, they said, no, he's not the guy. So the problem with the Pharisees is they meant well, they were loving God, but they just got caught up in mad-made stuff, and they missed that Jesus was there. So when the followers are now singing and praising and shouting, look at what they said to Jesus. They said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying these things like that. Like, they shouldn't be saying that. He replied this, if they're kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. In other words, Jesus said, you know what? They're rejoicing, they're shouting, they're praising. They're on the right track. You guys are missing it. Like, I am the guy. I am from the Father. This is a good thing. If they didn't celebrate, the very stones would cry out to me. So he tells them how important it is to worship God. So today I want to talk to you about this word that we're going to look at in the Psalms called the word praise. Now, praise, we're on this series called Closer, and we're talking about worship. So what I'm talking about today is kind of like the word praise in a lot of ways, is synonymous, and it kind of overlaps, and it's interchangeable with the word worship. So praise and worship are, in essence, kind of the same thing. So I want you to get that into your head. However, in Scripture, there's, there's a lot of places, if you study it, that praise is different from worship. That praise is proclaiming and expressing thanks for all that God has done in our lives. Worship is giving worth and value to him for who he is. So if you want to get kind of technical, although there's a lot of overlap, Praise kind of comes under worship. Worship is you value God, and praise is kind of a way to express it and to give glory. But for the sake of the message today, I want you to kind of think of of praise and worship as they're kind of an interchangeable, interlocking thing that we're, it's us responding and valuing God. Does that make sense? Everybody hanging in there with me? It's like praise and worship, but we're going to look at the word praise, because here's what's interesting. When the Bible was written, and we're trying to get a definition for the word praise or a definition of the word worship, When the Bible was originally written, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language, right? And then translated into English for us today to read and all the other languages of the world to to be read in their language. The New Testament was written primarily in Greek, the Greek language. So what happens is, years ago, Bible translators took those two languages, they translated them to our uh, English language so we could read them. Here's a problem. The Hebrew language is much more descriptive when it uses words than the English language is. So what we're going to look at today is one word in the English language, praise, that was used all throughout the Psalms we're going to read about. But I'm going to take it apart for you and show you that there's seven different meanings, seven different words in the Hebrew language where we get the word in English translated just to praise. Because I want to get you the depth and the understanding of here's God's worship style. All throughout the book of Psalms, which is a song of worship and praise to him. It's a book of worship and praise. It's David, King David. He wrote 75 of the Psalms. He was like a worshiper. He wrote poems that were put to music. They became songs and psalms. And so the book of Psalms is that. It's like songs to God. It's worship to God. So this word praise is used a lot. And I want to go through this book today. And I want to give you seven different ways that we can learn to worship God. How do we worship you, God? Well, he asked for it seven different ways. So let's go through this list right now, and I'm going to give you the Hebrew word and the meaning behind it so that when you understand you're reading in the book of Psalms, it says, praise the Lord. Yeah, I should praise the Lord. I get it. He keeps on saying praise. In English, it's just the same word. But in Hebrew, it's a whole bunch of different postures on how do we worship God. So here's the first word if you're taking notes and it's on your Bible app or you can write it down or whatever. It's this word halal. 
It's or hallel. It's where we get the word hallelujah from. But here's what this word means as it's used in the Psalms. It's, it means to rave or to boast about, to celebrate. And it actually means to be clamorously foolish. And what that really means is to be offensively loud. That when it says in verses like uh, Psalms 35, verse 18, this is where the word halal is used. It says, then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. And here's what it says. I will halal you, praise you before all the people that I will get offensively loud for you. The literal translation of this word means to spin like a top. It basically means that you would get nuts with some enthusiasm, with some energy, with some expectancy, that when you come to worship your God, you're not just like, well, this is how I was raised in a church. Like, we don't move anything except our mouth when we sing. God, I love you. You're amazing, right? Like, some of us are, came from those kind of churches where it's like, you don't express a lot. Well, contrary to how you were raised in that church, here's what our Bible say, is that there's going to be times when you praise and you worship God and you get loud and you get nuts and you come with enthusiasm. And when you come to Anchor Church, you come expecting that here's what I come with every single week is for me, this past week was rough. I had a hard week, but I come in going, man, I need to get into worship. I got to get some worship in me. I got to get fired up. I got to get close to God. I'm expecting and I'm enthusiastic about meeting God and praising him because God says one of the ways I like it best is when you get loud with it, when you bring enthusiasm. Amen? That was so weak. I'm trying to like rev you guys up again. But remember the word we used for pros, uh, last week for worship, proskuneo, that means to kiss like a dog kisses their master's hand. Like they're just like, yeah, you're my owner, you're my master. Oh, you're going to feed me. You're going to give me a treat. You're going to walk me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Right? They're just so excited to see you. Is that this word halal is saying that in Psalm 35, I will praise you. I'll halal you. I'll get excited for you, God. I'm enthusiastic about who you are. I'm fired up. I can't wait to meet with you. I'm going to sing. I'm going to be offensively loud. My neighbor's going to be bummed. They have to hear my voice. I don't care. I love you. Right? Yeah, right, right, ever. Okay. I'm working on it. I got to get you guys there. Here's a second word that is really cool that we get to use. The word praise translates in Hebrew originally. Yada. Yada is a good word, not Yoda, because that guy's like a 800-year-old Jedi master from the Dagobah system. But Yada, not Yoda, not to be confused. Here's what Yada means. It means to acknowledge in public, to throw out with lifted hands. This is where we get this from, right? You come to this church. I've never seen that before. That's weird. Oh, where, what are these guys doing? Where do they get this lifted hand stuff from? Right from God's word, right here. We see that this is a word that is used to praise God. Yada means to acknowledge publicly to let the world know that I'm worshiping God right now, and I'm proud of it, and he deserves glory. So I'm going to lift my hands as a way of worshiping. Here's a reference, Psalm 138, verse 1. It says, I will yada, I will praise you with my whole heart. I'll praise him publicly. It's, it's so weird, right? We, we think it's weird to raise our hands in public. Why would you do that? That's super strange. What happens when you're in the football stadium and your team gets a touchdown? What do you do with your hands? Come on, somebody show me. Where do your hands go, Right? Touchdown, right? And we're at, the, we're at the rock concerts and we're singing along. We're like, yeah, and everybody's singing and we're shouting. We're doing this stuff. I was surfing yesterday and, and, uh, my, with my friend and his son and his son got a good wave. And when he pulled out of the wave, both of us, his dad and me, we're both like, yeah, yeah. Like with our hands thrown out, we're celebrating what just happened right there. And see, this is the thing is God likes that because here's what it all comes down to is God says, if you really love me and you worship me, it should show. I should be able to see it in your life. 
Like, I should be able to see that it's changing you, that you're excited about me. And God in heaven is going, you can get loud, you can lift your hands, and, I, and here's God. I'm eating up every one of those expressions because I love that my kids are not ashamed to worship me. Amen? Isn't that good? So here he's, he's actually saying, be a church that worships. Like, throw your hands up. Like, be all about it. Here's the third word that's fun. Barack. Barack Obama. Barack. It's the same spelling. Barack means to bless by kneeling or bowing. This is where we actually take the posture and we kneel down. Here's where we get it from. Psalm 103, verse 1. says, let all that I am, Barack, praise the Lord with kneeling. It says, with my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. See, this is a posture of surrender, of submission. See, you can come up to someone to face an opponent, warrior to warrior, look him in the eye and, and face him like a man and say, I got you, I'm confident of who I am. But here's what happens. Everything changes when you take a different uh, posture and you take a knee and you bow before them. Because what happens right now is you're vulnerable. You put yourself in a position of weakness. They're standing. They could take advantage of you. They can do whatever. And you're at a place where you're humbling yourself. You're surrendered to them. You're weak. You're vulnerable. You have to get up and get ready and then try to fight them. And what we're doing with God when we worship and we hit our knees is we're coming and we're going, God, you're the man. I'm not. Like, it's all about you, all the strength, all everything, the full wisdom, everything, the power is all yours. I'm humbling myself before you. And I know that it's hard in a crowded church building like this and all of that. We don't really have the room to kneel. But oftentimes in the front row, you see several people that always sit front row. And the reason they sit front row is because they have the freedom and expression that they can actually get on their knees in the front over here. Our worship nights, we try to move back all the seats, give you guys room to come forward to kneel because God says, this is one of the way I like, I like to be worshiped. This is how you can worship. You, you love me, here's a way to express it, is come with humility. Because think about the different uh, ways in humility in the world where we, we bow to people. You know, like, you ever watch the movies or TV shows when someone is being knight, knighted, right? And they're coming before the king or the queen, and they're saying, you're the powerful one, and I'm just at your discretion, whatever. And you ever see, like, uh, Game of Thrones? Like, bend the knee, right? It's like, show the sign of submission. But here's another way where you're humbling yourself. How many of you men in here, when you proposed to your wife, you hit the knee, and you went with the ring, and you did the whole deal? Anybody do that? Come on, where's the chivalrous gen, gen, gentleman in here that you, you went all about it, you're all about it? What you're doing is you're saying, I'm humbling yourself, and I'm hoping you're going to say yes to this right now because I, I really love you. And, and you're basically going, I'm so humble because I love who you are. This is one of the ways that we worship God is Barak. Here's the next one. Number four is Zamar. Zamar means making music to God on strings and worshiping him with instruments. Psalm 92 verse 1 says, it is good to Zamar, to praise with music and instruments, the Lord, and to make music to your name, O Most High. Because think about this. Think about how powerful it is when someone gives you inspirational words or they speak something to you or you read written words and you're like, man, that's pretty powerful. But think about how much more powerful it becomes when someone puts it to music and to melody and gets a hold of your emotions. And sometimes just the words you read alone, you're like, oh, that, that's pretty cool, that's meaningful. But then you hear a song with those same, same words and it can bring you to tears or it can get you revved up and ready to fight or it can produce just all kinds of emotions in us. God knew that. So God, remember last week's message about how we were made to worship? Remember how God actually created a worship leader for him because he knows how powerful worship is? The angel Lucifer was God's worship leader in heaven. He sinned because of pride. And now God says, all of you, my followers, the people that love me, it's your job to worship. It's your job to lead the worship. Because God says, 
there's something powerful about worship. One of the ways that I like to be praised and worshiped is with music, is with instruments. It's a, to make something musical. And I'm so glad that this isn't a church where we only use a pipe organ. Can I get an amen to that? Because I wouldn't be the pastor of that kind of church. No offense, pipe organists in here. Like, that's your jam. That's cool. Dun, 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 dun. Whatever. Whatever, fan of the opera. I don't know. Whatever. But for me, I like the music that we make around here. And nothing wrong with them. That's super good. But I'm just glad that we have the expression of worship that we have in this church where we can sing. And it's powerful. And it moves me in. Isn't it good to do that? So here's one of the ways that we worship is the singing. Psalm 150, verse 3 says that we would praise, here's that word, zamar, with music, praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp, all these musical instruments. Praise him with the tambourine and the dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Uh, praise him with loud clanging cymbals. It says that twice. That means God likes the drums. Come on, where's my drummers at in the room? How many of you guys love the drums? I love the drums. 7 a.m. service, did you know this? We're not allowed to use the drums or it's, we're not allowed to make it too loud because we meet in a tent and the sound carries real easily. So in order to obey the, the noise laws of the neighborhood and not offend our, our neighbors, we don't start with the super loud music until 9 a.m. service. Like you guys are the first ones to get the drums and everything like that. And I love 7 a.m. service, but I miss the drums at 7 a.m. service. Like I dig the drum. We got some amazing drummers in our church. Tyler Fergie was on them today. We've got some amazing Chris. We've got Trevor. We got some awesome guys. And I love the drums. And you know what it says in the Bible? God loves the drums too. Like God says twice, praise him with a clash of cymbals, praise him with loud clanging cymbals. The word zamar here is, literally means instruments played enthusiastically, that we would drum hard. Anchor Church, we're kind of known for our loud worship music around here. How many of you guys know that? Like you've come, you've been offended, and you're just like, well, I'm just going to put up with it because I like the preacher, but it's so loud, right? We're going to just tell you this, is that we play it loud here because we like it loud, and we're not going to turn it down. Sorry. I'm just going to let you know right now, is that we provide for you. You may have never seen this before. You go to the back kiosk there where you can pay. There's a little dish with earplugs in it. I'm not lying to you. It's right there. And people come in, they're like, hey, it's kind of loud. Can you turn it down? I go, no, we're probably going to turn it up. But here's some earplugs. Here's the reason from this verse and from what Psalms tells us is one of the ways we worship God, Zamar, is making music with instruments and doing it loudly. Like, if you don't like the worship here, you're probably not going to like heaven because heaven is going to be 24 hours a day nonstop worshiping and singing to God. And apparently, God likes it loud. Amen? So I'm just saying, like, you got to get used to it. We do have earplugs for you back there. You can do what you want. Well, another thing that's really interesting in there is that it mentions in Psalm, Psalm 150, in verse 4, it mentions tambourine and dancing. First of all, how many of you guys were ever came up in a church where we had the tambourines? Anybody remember that? The 70s and 80s, tambourines were the jam. The tambourines were awesome, right? Like, people were like, right? Tambourines were cool. And I remember even as a kid thinking it was cool. And I, I did a couple services with the tambourine, I'll be honest, right? You just wanted to try it at one time. And people started getting real into tambourines. Like you paint your name on the side of it, and they would customize it with ribbons on the tambourine. So, like, like they would go, like, I'm worshiping with all my might, right? And so there's a, there's a place for tambourines, I'm just saying. You don't see it much in the church anymore, but they're there, and it's in, in the Bible, so that's where we get it from. But isn't it cool to say in the next breath, it says, with tambourine and with dancing. 
See, some of us, we, we need to understand, like, it's okay if you start to move a little bit in worship. You're like, oh, this is getting to me, man. These words are strong. And you start, like, slowly tapping your foot. And you're like, ooh, just creeping up your leg. And you're like, should I go? Should I go? And you just start going into it. And you start going. Listen. Nobody at this church is going to be bummed or criticize you. The Bible is telling us one of the ways that God likes it when we worship is to let loose and to dance. And I know we're like crowded. Praise God, we're building a new building. Maybe we'll have a dancing section. I don't know. But we're, we're building that new building. But if you want to move a little bit and you want to express yourself, not because you're trying to draw attention, not because you're trying to impress the girl next to you and you're like, it's not that kind of dancing. But if you just feel it and you're going, man, I love God so much and I'm fired up and I just want to praise him. I want to do whatever I want to do. God's going, I like that. You are allowed to do that. In fact, I wrote it in my book that this is one of the ways that you can praise him is with the tambourine, is with the dancing, with the loud music. Isn't that cool? You know that David that wrote uh, half of the Psalms, that he was, he was a dancer. He was a king. He was a warrior. He was a, just an unreal guy. But... He was a worshiper, but the, one of the ways he worshiped is he danced. It says in the references, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, the Ark of the Covenant was returning to town. That meant that that was the, the place of God. It represented the presence and the power of God. Enemies had captured it, and they brought it back into town. And King David, who's the king, who's supposed to be all in his priestly garments and like just you know being all stately and whatever, he was so fired up, he started praising God, and he just started dancing. It says he stripped down to a linen ephod, which is like a, his undershirt or his underclothes or whatever like that. And he was just so fired up. He was, it says this, David danced with all his might. With everything in him, he's praising the Lord. He goes, I'm not limiting it to vocals right now or playing the harp or something. He goes, ah! And he started dancing with all his might before the Lord. He loved him so much. And his wife was bombed on him. His wife, Michael, came and said later on, how disgusting, how beneath your kingly status that you would dance like that, that you would, you would strip down half naked and expose yourself to all the servant girls. You're dancing in your underwear or whatever. And he goes, you know what? I'm willing to be made even more of a fool for the sake of worshiping my God. So too bad, I'm giving it, right? And he danced. And I just think this, one of the ways that we need to understand is totally acceptable and okay when we praise and worship God is to let it go, is to dance, is to get loose, and to do whatever you feel like you need to do. Amen? Some of you guys are like, ooh, watch out. You guys, because you've been choreographing something, right? You got something you've been working on. Oh, watch my moves, pastor. Watch my, that's awesome. You go, you do what you need to do. But here's the next one. Number five is the word shabak. Shabak means to address in a loud tone. It means to shout. It means it is okay that church is not a place where you have to keep it reverent and quiet and silent. If you want to shout things unto the Lord, if you're moved and you're thanking him and you're praising him and you're giving amens, it is more than appropriate to shout in church and to make noise in church according to God's word itself. In Psalm 63.3, it says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I will shabak you. I will yell. I will shout out in praise to you. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Why is it that we're so loud at sports games and concerts and we're silent in church? Doesn't make any sense. How is it that we can glorify sports and men's accomplishments more than we can celebrate and shout for our God? We got to change our perspective, guys. We need to be the loudest church on this side of the mountain. Like, we need to be the loudest church that understands when we praise and we love God, we're going to cheer more for him than we are for our favorite football team. Amen? We got to get nuts. We got to get loud. Church, in other words, God gives us the okay 
to Chi Hu in church. I've told you this before. Like, I hear the amens, and that's good, but let's be real and be relevant. The Hawaiian cheer, the Hawaiian amen is? Yes. We have to understand that God actually goes, I told you that one of the ways, Shabbat, is to yell for me, is to shout for me, is to be stoked on who I am and what I'm doing. Isn't that good? So we have freedom around here. So this is really good. Here's the next word is toda or tauda. And this word means basically to lift our hands, but it's different than halal when we're lifting hands in celebration. This is to lift our hands in adoration, in just absolute thanks and going, God, I adore you. I love you. You're going to catch me lots of times every time I worship right up here front row. And this is the expression that I'm doing. There's times that I'm like, yes, you're faithful. Yes and amen and all of that kind of stuff. But there's times that the posture of my heart is this, my body, the tauda, is I'm just lifting hands in adoration. Psalm 50, verse 23 says, whoever offers tauda, lifted hands in praise, glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. You know what this means for me when I'm up here and I'm worshiping like this? It's personal surrender. It's me Here's what it means to me to raise my hands. It's I'm getting myself out of the way. I'm getting all my pride, my ego, my, my, my self-image out of the way. I'm getting rid of all the worries and the distractions of my life, and I'm focusing right now, and my eyes are closed, and I'm just tauda. I'm giving praise, lifted hands in adoration. God, you're more important than any stupid thing in my life right now. Or there's a lot of things I'm worried about, but honestly, they're just weak and dumb compared to how good you are. So God, right now, I'm just giving you all that I got, and you're the man, and I love you, and I don't care if people see me. I don't care what I look like. I don't care anything, but you deserve this, so I'm giving it to you right now. You guys get what that means right there? There's times when that's appropriate, and I don't care if new people from different church backgrounds coming to church like, oh, the pastor's weird. He's lifting his hands. It's not about you right now. It's about me and my God, and I'm sorry. I'm here to worship him, and I praise him, and this is one of the ways that I do it. Amen? But God says, if you love me that much, let it show. Hey, Anchor Church today, I hope you're learning some new expressions of your worship time with the Lord. You can step out and be a little bit more bold because God's going, I know you love me, but I don't see it. Like, let me see how much you worship me. And here's the last word. Isn't this kind of interesting to be learning all this stuff? Here's the seventh word that Hebrews use, that the Jewish people use to express praise that we just only have one simple word praise for. And this last one is... Um, uh, it's a fun word to say because it kind of reminds us of another word. It's like, da, 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 da. tahila. <laughs> tahila. Sounds like something else, right? Tequila. And maybe the result is the same. You get a high and a buzz. And like, a, you know, I don't know. It's from God, not from alcohol. But tahila. You know what tahila means? Exuberant singing. It means that we sing and we just sing it loud. And it's, it's more than just verbal prayers to God. It's more than just expressing it and reading your Bible. And there's different things that you can do. It's literally saying, I love it when you sing to me. And some of us in this room, that's a big first step. We're not even there yet. We love God. We love that he's doing in our lives. We've been coming with our wife. We kind of get what's going on. The messages speak to us. But singing out loud, that's just not our deal. We're just not there yet. And I want to encourage you that God loves when we sing out to him. One of the greatest things about Anchor Church is because we play it so loud around here is I can sing out and I don't worry about what I sound like because you can't hear me. All you're hearing is Sabrina's angelic voice on the stage. Are you guys with me? Doesn't she have a good voice? Man, 
She's using her gift and she's using it for God's purposes. But what I love is that when God says, I want you to sing out, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to sing. People are going to hear me. doesn't matter because the drums are so loud. Sabrina's so loud. It's so good what's coming out. I can sing as loud as I want and you won't hear me. That's awesome. But God hears me and he hears my heart and God loves me. You probably won't, but God does. That's what Tehillah is. It says in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise, his Tehillah will always be on my lips. Not tequila on your lips. I'm not preaching that. Please do not get the spelling wrong. Tehillah means your exuberant singing will always be on his lips. And why do we do all of this? Why do we practice all these different seven ways? Why would we even take the time to go through this? It's because, number one, God said to do it. It's in his word. It's telling us that we should worship this way. Number two, he likes it. He loves it. He, like, he, he dwells in the praises of his people. He loves when we sing to him, so we do this stuff for him. And then number three, not only did he say to do it, he likes it, but here's what it does. It shows us and the world around us and him that we're responding, that we love him. It's our way of showing and expressing our love for him. Because here's the thing. God has a love language. You ever, guys ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? You guys ever heard about that expression before? Here's what the five love languages are. I'm going to read them really quickly. It's the way that each one of us is wired to receive love best. That means that, that you, your friends, your spouse, whatever, we all like to be shown love in different ways. And when you figure out the people in your life, how they want to be loved best, and you express it in that way, then it just, it, it brings the intimacy and the closeness and the friendship and the relationship. And here's the five love languages, if you guys have never heard of these. Number one is affirming words. You'd speak well um, and compliment people and build them up with words. Number two is acts of service. You do stuff, you do the chores without being asked and, and you're blessing someone. Um, number three is receiving gifts. Some people love to receive gifts and that shows, oh, I love that so much, you really do love me, you bought me this, right? Um, number four is quality time. Just You don't have to be doing much, but you're just hanging out with a person. They like your presence. And number five is physical touch. Come on, men in the room, husbands. We love that one a lot. Don't we, physical touch? Let's be real. Let's not like, keep it down. Like, there's different ways you can express your love to people that they eat it up the most. And what we're learning from this study is God has a love language. And the way that God likes to be shown worship and love best he expresses it in the Psalms. He has a love language. There's also things mentioned in the Bible like clapping, lying prostrate, face down before him in worship, leaping with joy, our eyes up to heaven or our heads bowed low in humility. There's all these different postures, but the reason we do it is because it all comes back to heart. Now, this is Old Testament teaching us how to worship God. I want to take you really quickly to the New Testament because it's important to hear how Jesus himself said, hey, you know the best way to love my father in heaven, my dad, your dad, you know the best way? Let me tell you the best way. And it all comes down to this verse that's in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Someone came up to Jesus and they said, hey, there's a lot of commandments about how to worship God and live a good, good godly lifestyle. There's a lot of them out there. In the Old Testament, there's like over 440 of them. And he goes, I want to obey them all. They're all good. But can you give me like the Cliff Notes version of it? Can you give me like just the summary? Like, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus goes, there is a very most important commandment. And this is what it is. In Mark 12, 30, he teaches us how to worship God. He says, here's the most important thing you need to know. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, if you just focus on worshiping and loving God with everything you got, then everything else falls into place. All the other commandments will work themselves out. All of Christianity, all the religious stuff you got to do, it all works itself out. If you can just do this, here's what it is. 
Just fall in love with Jesus. Can you just fall in love with God? Can you be a people that is a worshiping people? And if you just say, I'm just going to put God at the top of my heart, mind, soul, strength, everything. If I can do that, then that's how Jesus said, yeah, you can do it in the Old Testament, the Psalms, all like this. Those are great expressions. But none of that matters until you first learn to love him with everything you got. And here's the three things he's asking for. Number one was your heart and your soul. Love him with all your heart and your soul, which basically has to do in summary with your emotions. In your notes, you write this down. Show some emotion for God. What does it look like to worship him? Show some emotion for God. Like, be like David, who is this great king, crazy military strategist, warrior. He killed a bunch of people by his own sword. Like, he was a gnarly guy. And yet, he let God see his emotions. Most of us as men today, we're like, no way. Male ego, pride, we're not going to let anybody see our emotions. But here's David that says, no, you know what a real man is? A real man is honest, is true, is transparent, and we show our raw emotions. You read the book of Psalms, it's one of the most real and raw books in the whole Bible. Because David, who was this king and was all of this, he displays his anger in there at God sometimes. It's almost blasphemous. It's almost like, oh, David, you shouldn't have said that. He's like, where are you, God? Why have you hid your face from me? When are you going to allow the righteous to succeed? Like, I'm not supposed to be getting beat up. And he's complaining, but he's being real. And then he comes back to you. But God, I humble myself to you. You're my creator. You're everything. You're my victory. You're, you're the strength in my life. You're my protector. You're a shield about me. And he's just real with his emotions. There's times he's sad. There's times when he's just rejoicing and praising. There's times when he's angry. But it's one of the most real books. And here's what God is asking. Hey, show some emotion for me. Let it out. If you really love me, like, like let it show. Bring it out of you. Here's the second thing he's asking is, is love God with all your mind. That means focus your thoughts on God. That means what is it that you think about most? On that list, God should be number one. You're thinking about all the stuff you got to manage in life and your business and all that kind of stuff. But number one should be that if your thoughts, if your mind, loving God with all your mind, then here's what you're doing is you're bringing God into every situation of your life. And everything that you think about, you're going, I wonder what God would do. I better ask God for his help on this situation. I'm always thinking about him. Lord, I'm praying to you every single day because I need you in my life. And so loving him with all your mind means focusing your thoughts on him. My friend called me up the other day. I was real busy. I was having a rough week and all of this. And he just called me and left a voicemail. And he said, hey, man, I woke up thinking about you. You're on my mind, so I'm praying for you. Hope you have a good day. Love you. God bless. And that just lifted me because I'm like, wow, I was on your mind? Like, you're thinking about me? Oh, that's a real friend. Like, I'm on your mind. God loves it when we're walking around and all the time he's on our mind. God's like, that's right. There's my kid right there. Carl, good job. I know you're having a hard time, but you came to me first and you prayed. You're wondering what I would do. You, he needed to go to the book to see my words for your life. Hey, that's good. That's good. I like that. Is it we would we'd be worshiping him, loving him with all our mind. And here's the third thing that Jesus was trying to make a point to say in that verse. He says, use your abilities for God. That's all your strength. Use all your strength. Use your abilities. It means, what do I do most? Or what is it that I like to do that you would decide with your abilities, with who you are as a person? It's just bringing God into everything you do. Your work, your school, your friendships, your hobbies even. Like I, I talked to my friend the other day. He texted me in response to uh, the message that I preached last week and how I said, we're made to worship. Remember, I made the point by saying how I used to listen to like gnarly music and, and, and punk rock music and stuff like that before I went to go surf so that I'd be full of like energy and I could take on the crowds and all that. And then I found that I was surfing good, but I was angry, right? And what I learned was when I started to listen to worship music and get my mind and my thoughts and bring God into everything, 
then I'm bringing God into my surfing and I have joy and I have peace and, and I'm making friends and everything. Changes everything. Well, my friend went surfing on Tuesday. He goes to church here. I don't even know if he's in this room here today. But he texted me this. Look at this text this week. He said, on my way to the surf this morning, I listened to worship instead of blasting my normal alternative rock. Thanks for sharing your stories. I said, good job. I hope you get some good waves, some fun ones. He said, yeah, a few good ones, but more better, I was praying as I paddled out. I said, changes your whole perspective. He said, for sure. Is it what God is looking for is that we would bring him, here's what worship is, bring him into your lifestyle, not just your singing time at church on the weekend, but you'd bring him into every expression of your life. He wants all your heart, your emotions, your, your heart, mind, your soul, your strength, meaning all your abilities, who you are, that you're bringing God into it because God's after the heart. And if we're going to be real worshipers, it's basically saying, God, I'm going to love you with everything I got, and I'm going to let it show. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it's the last verse I have for you, says, here's God speaking, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me, and you want it more than anything else, then I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. So what in all of this to say, summarize, how should we worship God? Well, here's what the word tells us, with everything we got with every type of posture that we possibly could bring to praise him, but with our entire lives as well. And it better show. It should show. There's no way you can go and say, hey, I want to get married to this person. I'm just going to tell him this. Here's your ring. But from here on out, you don't need to, me to prove that I love you. But I just want you to know, inside, I love you with everything I got. But honey, listen, we're never going to go on a date night. I'm never going to buy you any gifts anymore. I'm never going to take you on nice trips or anything like that. I don't need to let it show. Because on the inside, I love you with all my heart. How long do you think that marriage would last? <laughs> See, here's God in heaven going, you say you love me, but I want you to show it. Because when you show it and you express it, then I'm proud, then I'm excited, then I'm going to meet you where you're at, and you're going to be brought right into that intimate relationship where you need to be in life. Isn't that good for us? That we would become worshipers that worship and we show it. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, this message, this word. Lord, thank you for worship itself. Thank you, Father God, that we get the opportunity to express how we feel about you. We know who you are. We know why we worship you. But Lord, teach us to worship you the way you want to be worshiped. Lord, the expressions in your word that tell us when we come together or what it should look like, or even in our own lives at home when nobody's around. Or Lord, for me, sometimes I just worship and I pray in the shower. Lord, I just, wherever I am, I just want to be able to praise you. I want to bring you into every aspect of my life. Lord, that because you're the most important thing, it better show that you're the most important thing. Lord, I don't want anyone to ever come up to me and they find out I'm a Christian and they're surprised to hear that. I want them to already know that they can see it in my lifestyle, that when I tell them I'm a Christian and I love God, that they could already go, oh yeah, that makes sense. I could tell by the way you live your life. Lord, let that be us. I pray today, Father God, also, if there's anybody in the room here today that you came into the, the church today not really knowing what to expect, but you heard something that kind of got your attention and you realize that there's a God in heaven that deserves to be worshiped because he loves you, because he's here to meet with you. He's here to fix your life. He sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross to take the price for your sin and your shame and to allow you to have a relationship with him and to give you the hope of heaven for all of eternity. And if you're here today and you're just like, I get it, I want that. I want to live my life for a God that's good, that he loves me like that. If that's what you want to do, I want to make sure that you follow through on that decision of your heart right now. And I want to actually have the opportunity to lead you in a prayer. It's going to allow you to walk out of this room here today knowing that you're a Christian, 
that you're saved, that you're forgiven, that God's at work in your life, that he loves you. He's not trying to make you feel bad or condemn you. He actually wants to help your life out and that you would start a new walk with him as a Christian today because of this prayer. And if you'd like to pray that prayer with me, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray the words out loud for anybody in this room here to kind of take my words and you would own it in your heart and you'd pray these words in your heart, make them your own. You'd silently make it your prayer to God. God hears your heart. He actually judges you on your heart. Sometimes talk is cheap, and so he likes to know that it's from your heart. So if you want to pray this prayer with me, to be all in and say yes to Jesus, you've never done this before, or maybe you've done this before a long time ago, but you've walked away. You've lived a life that is not of God, and it's time for you to come back, and you wanted to know that right now. This prayer is for you as well. So if you want to say this prayer for, with me right now, nobody's looking. All eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. If this is your prayer, can you do me one favor right now? Can you just raise your hand to let me know you're praying with me? Anybody in the room here? Good, I see some hands going up. I see you, I see you, I see you, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you in the back. Couple in the back, two right there, two over here. Thank you, Father God, for those hands. I'm looking around. If I didn't see you, just wave or something, but I saw the majority of the hands. Maybe you're in the kids' room in the back. Somebody sees you. God sees you. If anybody, if you're watching in the courtyard, if you're watching online right now and you're making the decision, God sees you. But here we go, the most important prayer of your entire life right now. Just take these words that I pray and make them your own. Here we go. God, I'm here today and I need you in my life. And Lord, from the bottom of my heart right now, I believe in who you are and what you're doing. I don't know all there is to know about you. I admit that. But Lord, the, your word says I don't need to know everything about you. I just have the faith to believe that you are God and that you have the power to save my life and to change me. So Lord, on that alone, that step of faith alone, I'm saying, I believe in who you are. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and my separation from you. I also believe that he rose from the dead, defeated death itself, thereby also defeating all of my sin and my shame and giving me new life in you. And Lord, if I put my trust in you, then my hope in you and hold on to you, Lord, that you're gonna help me out in this life. You're gonna answer my prayers. You're gonna do good stuff. You're gonna speak to me through your word. And Lord, I have the hope of heaven that I'll get to be with you for all of eternity with the family of God. So Lord, right now I'm telling you, here's my life. I will follow you all of my days. Thank you for being my God and allowing me to come into your family right here and right now. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, 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 amen. Let's praise God with those people right now. That's awesome. That's so good.